Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery, and today I'm excited to have Jacob Sheldon, who's the founder of Shiny. Shiny is a tech-enabled talent marketplace for fractional executives. They match startups and SMBs to some of the 300 plus freelance executives in the pre-vetted <clears throat> talent pool. Uh, Jacob had earlier worked for Slice Capital and Silicon CFO, uh, and he had done his bachelor's from Dexter University, and, and he's got funding from ODX Accelerator. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me, Rohit. Awesome. So, you know, you, you do have uh, an interesting journey. you pretty... Uh, pretty early in, in your journey building Shiny. How did you go about building Shiny and what got you excited to build it? Uh, yeah, so I really started Shiny as an experiment under the Silicon CFO brand. Uh, I was a fractional CFO at the time for some very early stage startups and agencies. And that was what I was doing sort of to make a living after leaving my last startup. And uh, I was seeing the demand side of this, these startups that needed support on a fractional basis. At the time, it was specifically finance support, finance and accounting, and, uh, and primarily from founders that were technical but, uh, or growth-focused and very much had to focus on either building the product or selling and, and growing the user base. Um, and so there came a point where I didn't have, uh, I guess I didn't want to take on more clients. Uh, I was look, I was looking for my next startup to start and I started to turn down clients that were coming through my door. Uh, and I thought, well, that's kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of stupid to turn down clients. Why wouldn't I at the very least, uh, refer them out to some other fractional CFOs. So I started building up a talent pool of other fractional CFOs and uh, in that moment, I started to get a lot of applications from other people that, frankly, were more qualified than I was to do what I was doing. And uh, the supply side really blew me away, just the number of people that were applying. And at that point, I realized, well, it, it sort of made sense to build a marketplace at the very least as an experiment. Uh, and this was the very end of 2019 uh, when I had this realization and started to see the supply side for the market for which I was already fulfilling the demand side for. So that's how I started it as, as an experiment, as a fractional CFO marketplace. Uh, I started building it on the side uh, doing, of doing my fractional CFO work and just handling everything manually from the vetting process to the matching to the introductions and the follow-ups, the invoicing, uh, everything I just I did manually on my own, organized it quite well in Excel and Airtable, Notion, uh, and then automating as much as I could with the emails between uh, Zapier and MailChimp and whatnot. Super interesting. And uh, you know, before we, we, we talk more about what, what's a fractional CFO, is he somebody who works part-time or he goes to the office, how would you term a fraction CFO? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd say working remotely versus in-person is sort of irrelevant to whether they're fractional or not. Uh, I'd say at this point, um, you know, being fractional 
is primarily working remotely. Um, but frankly, it's just sort of a, a rebranding of a part-time worker. Uh, most importantly, it's uh, someone who's coming in to a company and working for a set number of hours or days per week or per month, and usually handling a specific role or having set responsibilities. So it's not just project to project. Um, they're usually handi- handling some aspects of the business on a fractional basis. Uh, and so this is most common for CFO and CMO roles, but we're seeing this uh, a lot more with CTOs, COOs, CPOs, CCOs, CROs, and even beyond to uh, non-C-levels, even non-VP-level roles, where companies are starting to look for a fractional designer or a fractional product manager, um, sometimes just because they need someone in very quickly uh, or because they just don't need them full-time or they are struggling to find someone full-time for the role. And did you find any insights about whether most of the fraction work is done uh, by by a certain gender or uh, by a certain age group or have you know X amount of experience to uh, you know to do more of this fraction work? Yeah. So for us, since we focus on C level executives, we find that the average years of experience is about sixteen years. Um, the breakdown between genders, we don't have very much data on, uh, but in our, our marketplace, it's, it's fairly even, uh, except, uh, a little bit more, uh, weight towards, uh, males on the fractional CFO role specifically. Um, but otherwise it's, uh, I, I'd say it's probably no different than for full-time roles. Got it. And you had started uh, Shiny before pandemic, but do you think the COVID did it accelerate the fractional work more? Or, or did it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'd say it did two things. It allowed for people to say, you know, I'm working from home anyway. And so I'd rather work fractionally uh, instead of full time for a specific company. I can work fractionally for multiple companies. And it's a lot easier to now build out my consulting practice as a fractional executive. Uh, and then the other thing was it allowed for companies to uh, be a lot more comfortable with hiring someone fractionally. Now, if they didn't have to come into the office, uh, it's easier to, to hire them on a fractional remote basis than a fractional in-person basis. Got it. Uh, interesting. And uh, uh, I, I wanted to understand, you know, especially uh, when it comes to Silicon CFO, how was your experience building that? And, you know, how did you go about getting that opportunity? Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say it's probably the same as anyone else's freelance or consulting, independent consulting experience, where I had just left the last startup that I was working on. And I was able to start off with one client that was essentially a close friend of mine that needed the support and uh, being his fractional CFO for his agency that he was starting to grow. Um, The first client is always the most important when you're starting to grow a consulting practice. And uh, I just worked to, uh, to do a great job for him. And I even worked from his office in LA and where I was living at the time anyway. And what that did for me was it helped me get closer to the client. 
And uh, we really became great friends after that. Uh, helped me grow my client base as well, just being in his co-working space, but then also just getting referrals from him. And that helped me make a living from being an independent fractional CFO. Got it. And, uh, and, and how do most of the executives find their new gigs? Is it through references or are they, do they also look at job boards like AngelList and all that? Uh, in terms of what actually works is networking and referrals. Um, that's sort of the, the best active way to get clients as a fractional executive. Um, you can you know, look at job boards, but very few job boards online have lots of fractional roles uh, being posted there. Um, the passive way on top of just the active networking is using a platform like Shiny to sign up and passively get matched to roles that are coming onto the platform. Got it. And, uh, uh, you know, on your marketplace, you have, uh, you know, plus uh, executives uh, who can who can be hired and you've got, uh, you know, top, you work in top startups, uh, especially companies like Jeeves, uh, which, really, uh, Jeeves which is one of, the, one of the fastest growing startups in the world. How, how do you, how do you get those top startups to sign up with you? Yeah, again, it's primarily through my network and the networks of the people in my network. A um, lot, of, lot of work on that front of just meeting people, um, you know, plugging into a bunch of different founder networks and founder communities, uh, and then partnering with as many people as we can when it comes to VC firms, other types of investors, accelerators, uh, agencies, and uh, it's a lot of relationship building. Uh, and then on top of that, there's a little bit of content marketing that we do, email marketing, uh, ads, and uh, a little bit of SEO as well. Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions, and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan. Uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Interesting. And, and how, how do you go about vetting uh, the fractional executives? Uh, well, what would be the entire process for you? Yeah, so we have uh, essentially a three-step process where every executive is still joining our wait list since although we have uh, over 400 vetted executives, we have another... 500 or more on our wait list. And so they're joining our wait list. And uh, from there, we're, we're looking at their profile and then bringing them off our wait list and sending them uh, a more detailed application just on type form. Um, we get a deeper look at what, they, what their experiences have been, what they're good at, and what they're looking for. And then we interview every single one of them. Uh, in the interview, we're primarily looking for their communication skills. You know, do we think that they can be a good consultant or fractional consultant for a startup? Uh, and then doing a lot of data gathering on them as well and asking them questions that they can't really answer on text uh, in the type form. Uh, and so from there, we're able to vet them quite well and, and vet out the people who either don't have enough experience or don't have good communication skills. Uh, and then we sort of end the process with having a lot of data on them 
that really feeds into our matching process as we onboard them onto the marketplace. In, in, interesting. And and how do you how do you go about matching uh, those executives to to jobs? Uh, is it is it a lot of manual work, or do you have you know uh, a lot of data which backs you? We we do have a lot of data. I'd say it's not enough data in terms of uh, we we need a sort of a, a massive amount in order to fully automate it accurately. Uh, in terms of both sides of our marketplace and and also just a lot of successful placements. Um, and so it's still early days for us from that front, and we are working on automating it with an AI agent and, and refining that. But the process is still manual and we'll stay manual for a little while where we have all of our data organized uh, on the candidate side and the job side uh, when a job comes into our platform. And so we're able to fairly easily filter through our database um, and look at a subset of the candidates to find some ideal ones for the job specifically. Um, from there, we're then putting the job in front of the candidate and they have to explain why they're a good fit for that role specifically on a line-by-line -line basis for the responsibilities and qualifications. Uh, and so at that point, there's sort of our vetting process, our matching process, and then the structured cover letter from the candidates. Uh, and so you can, you can call that sort of a, a multi-step vetting and matching process. Interesting, and you know, uh, when, when it comes to uh, you know uh, these fractional executives making money, uh, and, and you know, I assume they can they can work anywhere from two uh, two hours to around twenty hours in a week. Uh, you know, how what, what's the kind of revenues you know they could make uh, uh, on on the on, on the platform in a week? Uh, yeah, we we typically see our executives charging somewhere between a hundred and two hundred and fifty dollars per hour. Uh, obviously with some a little bit lower and some a little bit higher, even up to $500 per hour. Um, it ranges a lot in terms of what they're able to charge uh, who, based on their experiences, uh, how much experience they've had, uh, how many companies they've worked for even just in the past year and what their uh, personal network looks like in terms of their own supply and demand, obviously supply of one person and then potentially a lot more demand. Uh, than others. And so the earnings potential is quite high. We do see a number of fractional executives that end up after a year working as a fractional executive, uh, making more cash-wise than they would as a full-time executive. Um, but it, it really depends. We see others that aren't making as much, some that are just doing it as a side hustle alongside, alongside their full-time job. And uh, both are great options for joining our marketplace, whether you're looking to be full-time as a fractional executive or just as uh, on the side, as a side hustle. Interesting. And, and did you find any, uh, any specific criteria which, which makes you know, you know, one fractional executive stand out uh, from others? Uh, and you know, how much time do you think it takes for them to you know, start with the first gig? Yeah, it, it really comes down to when you speak with a fractional executive, say that we match you to, uh, and you're looking to fill, say, a, a fractional CMO role. Um, I wouldn't say there's any specific uh, aspect of them that makes them a very good fractional executive. Uh, at the end of the day, it really comes down to, are you going to enjoy working with this person? 
Uh, and is it going to be a good relationship? Uh, at the end of the day, many of them, or I'd say almost all of them can do exactly what you're looking for. Uh, it's just a matter of, of um, how your relationship with them will go and their communication with you. Got it. And uh, do, do you offer any other support other than patching uh, candidates to, to jobs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on our platform, uh, we have the functionality for this entire matching process and pitch process, as well as messaging once they're introduced, uh, contract signing, uh, invoicing, and payment processing. Once that happens, all of that sort of in the past, uh, we we do support with regard to uh, negotiations and uh, liaising between the candidate and the uh, employer, even post-placement, uh, when potential issues pop up, when there's renegotiating of a contract and setting a new contract. Uh, and then we have communities on Slack for each fractional executive role that we support. And this has been a really great way for, uh, say, fractional CMOs to meet other CMOs, uh, ask very specific marketing management questions to them and uh, even share resources. And then it's also been a great way for us to stay in very close contact with our users. Got it, interesting. And um, you know, you've been uh, part of uh, ODX uh, Accelerator, you know, how, how's the entire journey of building uh, a bootstrap company and then, you know, go on to raise funding from, from an accelerator? Yeah, bootstrapping has been especially tough. Uh, especially as a marketplace where you really have to seed both sides manually. Um, I, I'd say it's, it's helped us bootstrapping overall compared with raising money. Uh, I see a lot of times companies raise money and then start burning capital very quickly. Uh, and for us, we had to be very focused with what we were spending time on, but it also gave us the flexibility to make mistakes and not have this really tight runway to, uh, to grow very quickly within. Um, bootstrapping before even getting into an accelerator, it bootstrapped for about a year and a half prior. And uh, it was really just figuring out where we wanted to bring this business as we were growing it and continuing to validate it, um, doing things manually at first, and then starting to automate and starting to build a platform and launch a platform that handled a lot of what we were doing on our own, uh, just offline. Um, I, I'd say that was sort of necessary for us to get to where we, where we were when we got into the accelerator. Um, it was especially hard to build a team, but hiring people on a contractor fractional basis, uh, gave us a huge leg up where we were able to utilize uh, specialists, say a fractional designer, a fractional developer, um, and, uh, and a fractional CMO, a fractional COO in order to, to grow our team and stay lean. Um, and then getting into ODX was a huge leg up for us where it helped us grow both sides of our marketplace. We were able to plug into their network of founders uh, and we got a lot of them on the platform hiring fractional executives. And then we also were able to plug into their talent base uh, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of people in the fellowships that were fractional executives joined our waitlist and then eventually joined our marketplace after we vetted them. Today, I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives 
increase the social media presence by 10x, they managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. Interesting. Uh, no, uh, I've been part of a few OnDeck fellowships, and I think uh, OnDeck has, has a great network. You're, you're talking about that before, before the call. Uh, but uh, I, I, Jacob, I actually got to know about Shiny from uh, Product Hunt. Uh, I think you, you, you've done a post over there, and that's how I got to know. You know, what, what would it take for a founder to do well on Product Hunt? Like any experience you can share on, you know, what, what, what was your exact strategy on, uh, on, putting, on putting Shiny on Product Hunt? Yeah, so launching Shiny on Product Hunt was actually my my second product hunt launch my first was with slice capital my last startup uh we actually did better with slice capital and, and placed i think fourth or fifth um doing well on product hunt is, has a lot of factors um but at the end of the day the, the biggest factor is is really uh doing a lot of manual work in terms of outreach to your network uh and and really using it as a marketing tool um I think the, the most valuable aspect of product hunt launches is not let me try for first place or second place or third place in that day. Uh, it's actually to, as a way to, uh, to get uh, early supporters for your, your product uh, and your startup. Um, so, you know, using it as a tool to get customers is great. Uh, and then using it as a tool to get feedback, I think is is potentially even better. And so we got a lot of great feedback on our product hunt launch. And we actually waited a long time to do it, um, not specifically so that we could uh, get the most out of it, but because we already had a lot of learnings from the first platform that we had launched in August of last year uh, that we were working on implementing into an, a newly designed platform with more functionality. And so... We didn't launch on Product Hunt until we had that new platform launched uh, and, and live, at which point it was a way for us to get more feedback and onboard more people onto the marketplace. Interesting. And, uh, you know, you, you had already talked about, you know, you know uh, uh, onboarding uh, employees for your company. Uh, I was just wondering what, how, what are some of your signals on, on figuring out, you know, this candidate can be a high performer. Uh, and what are the red flags you look for when hiring people? Yeah, I I look frankly less at whether they're going to have really high output versus low output. At, the first thing that I'm looking for is, uh, do I like this person as a person? And do I think I'm going to really enjoy working with them? Um, and so sometimes it's easy to tell up front, but most of the time you kind of just have to work with them. Uh, for say a month to determine whether uh, they're going to be a good employee or contractor, uh, whether they're going to do a good job working on whatever they're working on and whether you're going to work well with them. And so I usually recommend hiring someone for two weeks or a month and giving them some specific projects uh, so that you can just test them out. It's a very low risk, low cost way to plug someone into the team and see if, if they're going to work. Got it. And, and, and are there any specific uh, tests that you uh, uh, would suggest to you know, founders on you know, 
what what metrics would you would you remember somebody who's going for a for a cmo or a cfo role uh, or even for a you know fractional role you know what what are the metrics they should be careful about uh yeah it's it's typically not about metrics especially when hiring a, a c level person um someone who's going to be managing a team potentially growing a team and hiring a lot of people uh but then also helping with setting strategy and so uh you can try tracking metrics and setting metrics for them um there can be simple ones such as well, we're trying to grow the team to these many people we're trying to grow revenue to this much we're trying to launch uh our product in this amount of time um but at the end of the day uh you know you, you need a management team that you can trust uh and a management team that's going to bring sort of their their own network and their own expertise uh so that you're better off with someone as a your your fractional c level executive uh then if you didn't have them or if you promoted someone internally to that role correct and when it comes to strategic decisions um how how do you get how do you you know figure out uh if you should stick to the plan or change your strategy uh i i used to be a lot more focused on my intuition um uh, when it comes to sort of, uh, how things feel and uh and making quick decisions and and that works quite well a lot of the time uh it's gotten me to where i am now but i have been shifting more and more to a, a little bit more of a data driven more objective decision making process for say most most things in the company uh especially using the growth marketing framework growth experiments framework uh and you can apply this to a lot of different things even the strategy that you're setting whether you should change strategy uh or stick to the current strategy it's sort of setting expectations up front and setting a very specific experiment for what you're running how long you're running it for and what the minimum outcome is versus a, a target outcome and then after the time frame that you set just sort of seeing what the outcome was and comparing it to your expectations uh it can make it at least a little bit more of an ob- objective decision but and you know you've been growing shiny for a couple of years now uh how does the decision making change uh, or does it need to change with scale uh yeah i mean i i'd say we're still early we're still working on on the scaling aspects uh of the business um you know yes we have over 400 executives uh, and we've we've made over 50 placements um but a lot of it still runs through me for the decision making or my my co-founder for any of the the tech decisions to be made um so far for us it's been sort of finding the right people uh to operate different aspects of the business uh and to sort of own their own functions uh and then giving them free reign over what they want to do um you know they'll run things by me and i say great that sounds really good let's do it um and so yeah so a lot of it almost all of it is run by me but uh more and more we're sort of uh giving people the autonomy to to do what they want and really the the culture that we've been setting my co-founder and i is one where uh it will it'll move to be m- more and more autonomous um and it it gives our employees and contractors uh the freedom to come up with their own ideas and and make their own decisions 
Super interesting. And uh, you know, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Um, previously, it was uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. But uh, more recently, I think for, for marketplace founders specifically, uh, The Cold Start Problem by uh, Andrew Chen. Sorry, it's, it's on my bookshelf next to me, <laughs> just <laughs> confirming the author. Um, yeah, it was, it was really great for, uh, for myself as, as a marketplace founder. Interesting. Um, hard thing of hard things is, is the most uh, you know mo- most requested book uh, as uh, as a favorite book uh, on on the platform. But cold start problem is is, is a great book written by Andrew Chin. Um, and you know if you could go back in time when you started a shiny, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? This is also kind of from the cold start problem. Uh, there's a there's a quote that Andrew wrote from uh, Travis Kalanick. Uh, had to do with, you know, product can solve problems, but it's slow, ops is fast. Uh, So really focusing on scaling my operations team is something that I would have uh, really spent a lot more time on in the early days. You know, we were solely operations and no product for over a year. But then like many founders do, they shift to being very product focused potentially a little too soon um, and instead of you know, focusing on being operations focused and then uh, plugging in the product alongside that to really uh, take the burden off the operations team as you scale. Uh, that's definitely what I would have done a little differently uh, if I went back you know, a year or two years. Very interesting. And do you have a favorite online tool, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Um, I mean, all those are great and <laughs> ones that I use every day, including right now, but, uh, one that's maybe not as brand name is reclaim.ai is a tool that I, I've really enjoyed using over the past six months or so. Um, it, it just makes sure that I have every day on my calendar, uh, a block for lunch, a block for my morning catch up, my afternoon catch up. Uh, exercising and my my daily walk, um, and then on top of that, just starting to plug in some other sort of daily or weekly tasks that kind of moves around automatically. Interesting. I'm I'm going to put it uh, put it on the show notes, and uh, we'll have a look at reclaim.ai. Um, yeah, Jacob, what are, what are the best way people uh, can reach out to you and know more about Shiny? Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Just Jacob Sheldon. And uh, learning about Shiny, uh, happy to answer any questions on LinkedIn, over DM, or uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, and feel free to check us out at useshiny.com. Got it. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much for taking your time and speaking to us. I really enjoyed my conversation with you. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.